Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. What are you putting your value in? Is it in the numbers? Is it in, is our value shown on a scale? Can it be captured in the mirror? And no, it can't, you know, that our self-acceptance really cannot be conditional on our appearance. Um, And if abusing and overusing exercise is a problem for us, we just need to dig a little deeper and to change our perspective to just find that love for ourselves that isn't based on when I reach this weight or when I look this certain way, um, we need to find kind of that happiness in that process and just in the movement. Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Who you just heard is Meg Miles. She's going to be a guest on the show today as well as Rachel Gaynor. Meg's thoughts are exactly what I want this episode to be about. Our special episode this month is about fitness. It's similar to my technology episode a few months ago. I'm going to do a series on things we kind of tend to abuse and fitness I think is one of those. And um, so this episode is called Fitness, How to Use It, Not Abuse It. And I wanted to start with a big disclaimer. Just like with technology, fitness is not the devil. I don't think it's evil. I don't think anybody who loves to exercise is automatically obsessed and out of control. Or people who don't love exercise are viewing it as the devil either. Uh, This isn't about that. Um, but there is something that we are going to be talking a lot about is it can be easy to abuse exercise either through overuse or underuse. And I wanted to touch on why that is the case, what it looks like and how we can work on it so that fitness is a tool we use, a tool for good and a tool to help us through life and a positive thing. So what I'd like to do now is to introduce my guests, my two experts I have on the show, Meg Miles, as you heard from the beginning. She is from MomStrong, Utah, and we have also Rachel Gaynor from Rachel Rebuilt. Both of these ladies are certified trainers and truly incredible at what they do. They have a huge wealth of knowledge and the know-how about exercise and training and nutrition. I've linked to both of their websites and social media profiles on my show notes, which you can find on my website, aboutprogress.com. I can't recommend them enough. They're both just really excellent people to follow. I asked them to be here because they both have uh, different personal experiences with fitness and using it as a tool, but they both share a similar viewpoint that I'm hoping to inspire with this episode. And that viewpoint is that quote at the beginning from Meg. It's using exercise and fitness as a tool for good in your life. So, and it can be a wonderful tool, but it is one that needs to be managed. So let's start this by talking about maybe fitness is something you struggle with. Perhaps you don't really like working out for a multitude of reasons. Perhaps your body no longer allows you to do things you used to love to do. Or maybe you love working out, but it can consume your life at times. It can wear your body down or your mind Um, Or maybe you are downright out of control with your fitness. Maybe it is in total control of your life. I think with either, with any of these scenarios, we've probably all struggled with this at some point. 
Meg talks about that, how we all have these ebbs and flows with it. I think everybody at some point um, touches into it a little bit. Um, and maybe it's like exercising as far, you know, maybe if we're feeling body shame or um, discomfort in our body image, we exercise because of that, like as a punishment to something that we ate or because we went out and we had a donut and then all of a sudden we had three and we were feeling so shameful about it. We overexercise the next day and work, work really hard. So, I mean, I think everybody to some extent has experienced that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I've had, I've posted a quote before on my feed that I thought of that is similar to what I just said. And it's that exercise is a celebration of what your body can do not a punishment for what you ate. Um, so that's the way that I look at turning it around. You know, exercise is a really positive thing um, rather than when once we start using it as a punishment, that's when it becomes a little bit more abusive, I think. Her statement right there about when we view exercise as a punishment, that's when we, you know, are abusing it. And I think that applies to both people who overexercise and people who underexercise. We will be primarily focusing on abuse through overuse throughout this episode, but I did not want to ignore abuse through underuse. So I wanted to make just a few comments on that. You know, sometimes you don't have a choice physically, emotionally, mentally, maybe you have a family situation that prevents you from exercising in the way that your body needs and you want. There can be a time and a season with things like this. There are times where we aren't able to, to the extent we would like to or even need to. And and that's different. I think a lot of times underuse, I for a long amount of time, maybe it's become a long-standing habit. Um, a lot of times it can be people not knowing where to start or worried about doing things right or being scared or intimidated. Um, it could be not believing in themselves or I think often is though, is that usually people who are abusing exercise through underuse are ones who had in the past overused exercise. Maybe they were all or nothing about it. And, and when they were doing it, it was like the extreme amount Um, So, you know, that does come into play. Sometimes those do go hand in hand. This uh, struggle with overuse can often lead to a struggle with underusing exercise when your body really does need it. If you fall into this category of currently being one who underuses exercise, this whole episode still applies to you. I know you're still going to learn things that are going to be really applicable to your situation. Now let's talk more about overuse, uh, abusing exercise through through just it being compulsive, something that controls your life. Uh, there are there are definitely different categories to this. May kind of talks about the um, medical definitions behind over um, exercise and why those are. She says there's a primary addiction and a secondary addiction type. So let's see what she said about that. There's a category that you could that's a little bit um, deeper that you would call exercise addiction to where it becomes an actual disorder where um, a person feels maybe an uncontrollable need to exercise excessively. And that can be over a short or a long period of time. Um, I mean, there's like clinically two different types, you know, a primary exercise addiction and a secondary exercise addiction. So primary is actually more common in males where they, um, it's 
where that is the main problem and it's more a psychological or behavioral condition. So hmm. um, being more addicted to the effects of the endorphins and um, that are released during and after exercise. So that's maybe more of a primary addiction, whereas a secondary addiction is where I think we see it more oftentimes and it, it happens more often in females and it's secondary to something like an eating disorder or um, it's going along alongside it. Um, so that's more of like a clinical indication. And then I had to cut her off. I'm sorry, Meg. We went in a different direction after that that we're going to return to later. Uh, so this clinical addiction, I definitely have been there in my life. I have definitely been addicted to it. It's compulsive. It, can, it ruled my headspace. It was completely in control of my life. But that was as a primary way to deal with my eating disorder. Which So I definitely was that secondary addiction to exercise that she talked about. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it's not as intense as that, but it still can be a problem or um, it can start a lot in a lot more subtle way to, to becoming that big of a problem. Rachel has an experience about that. Hers started with good intentions and, it, you know, as it often does, but she's really good about speaking about how subtle it was for her as she moved towards it being the really bad place of secondary addiction. I started getting into fitness and exercise and I saw a lot of really amazing physical results and had an increase in um, just confidence and I was getting so strong and I just loved it and so it just grew into I just had this healthy enthusiasm and passion for it and you know I and that's kind of how it starts, right? And and that's kind of, that's actually where you want to stay. You want to stay where you have a healthy enthusiasm for exercise because it has so many benefits. But um, what I noticed is that I started to, um, I started to misprioritize fitness. Now, mm-hmm. that's a little confusing because if you want to make changes in your life, you do have to change the priority order of your life and fitness has to move up the ladder. But what I noticed um, at the very beginning when it started to shift into more of an abusive use um, rather than a healthy enthusiasm was that it started to shift over things that really were my top priorities. Maybe it's just really subtle. Like you don't even really notice at first that there might be a problem with how you're um, managing your fitness. But for me, it was kind of that underlying feeling that um, I was prioritizing the wrong things. I really appreciated Rachel taking into account, you know, it can be so subtle. There is a fine line um, and that it's it's. It can maybe look different for people, but I think this overarching theme of it uh, getting in the way of your true big priorities of your life uh, is a big sign. There are more signs that we're going to talk about. Um, Meg has some more right here. Things that you can look for initially um, in yourself are, are you exercising through injury and trauma when maybe you should be resting? Are you um, are you exercising for long periods of time and with a high intensity each time, you know, not really giving your body a break? Are you feeling um, shameful after not getting a workout in and really irritable and restless over that? 
Another sign that Meg touched on earlier was if you are using exercise as a way to punish yourself for your, what you ate. Rachel talks about that as well. You know, I thought about a lot of exercise in terms of how many calories I needed to burn, um, in terms of whether or not I, like, I was going to be able to work off that treat I had the night before, mm-hmm. or it, it. And I would sometimes use it like I. I would think about the treat that I was going to eat and then I would realize like, oh, I'm going to have to run like five miles tomorrow to work this off. And then I wouldn't want to eat it mm-hmm. because I, I associated what I ate with how much I had to exercise or whether I earned that treat or not. So it was just a, it was a relationship that was very unhealthy between my food and fitness. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. your intake and your output are related, but when you start to think only in terms of calories in calories out to the point that it's uh, messing with your mental state, that's when it becomes really scary and dangerous. This is the area that I think it's so easy to fall down a pit or just something that we have to be aware of. This is what I have struggled for now 11 years since I started my eating disorder recovery. It's only been the last year and a half and actually year that I figured out that I was still viewing exercise as a way to uh, make up for what I've eaten. And I was really appreciative, Rachel. She's pointing out again, you know, the the subtleties there. It's not um, always black and white. It's just being aware of the gray, I think, is very helpful. Rachel also uh, brought up another sign that I hadn't thought about. And I think, too, when you start searching for that perfect fitness plan that is going to give you the exact body that you want, and you're sort of, like, always jumping ship even before you... Um, even before you see any benefits or results, when you're just like always searching for the the best workout versus mm. enjoying the benefits of the workout that you love, oh, right? I and that's, yeah. for me, I feel like that's that's really a different attitude is, now it's important to try things, right? In every single one of these situations that I'm explaining, it's, there's some good, right? There's the the good side and then the slightly twisted um, evil side that, mm-hmm. that if you're not watching and you're not careful, it's so easy to just gently slip into that. So those are a few signs to consider. You know, this goes with a lot of roots to abusing exercise. Some of these things are, uh, you know, not very conscient conscious. You don't really realize that you're doing this. For me, a lot of it was punishing myself. Um, and I think you can see that for you. It's not, maybe maybe related to food or not related to food, just in general, not liking yourself and punishing yourself through exercise. I've done that time and time and time and time again. Um, and, you know, we mentioned working off food. Uh, control. When your life is out of control, I think it's easy to slip into becoming obsessed with something else you can control. And that doesn't mean that you can't have a good hobby or some goals to push yourself and to get you through a really hard time. I think that's totally appropriate. But at times, just like anything else, uh, 
abusing exercise can come into play with that, uh, just trying to get control of something in your life. Some of you might relate to being obsessed with exercise because it's the only time you have to yourself. Um, and that can become addicting sometimes. It's, um, it's your only escape. And, you know, we've mentioned it, it really can just become a true addiction, totally compulsive, all-consuming. Uh, there's so many spectrums here, and I hope that I am treating a lot of the roots fairly and, and, and representing them well without doing a lot of fear-mongering. I don't want to do that, but we, knew, we do need to talk about the effects of abusing exercise. Oh, this is something I learned about a few years ago that really altered how I was viewing exercise. I've always been a huge cardio queen. I'm a runner. I can't run as much now lately, which I can tell you more about later, but I've always been a cardio queen. Just so much cardio every single day for years and years and years and years and very little strength training. And um, of course, I coupled that with little, little nutrition, especially during my eating disorder time. But even after, for years, I was still not giving myself enough nutrition because I still had a very skewed view of what was the appropriate amount of, of nutrition. And another thing, working out so much, so hard, so cardio-based, really slowed down my metabolism. And that is an honest effect of abusing exercise. That will happen. You see this with people who are truly trying to, to lose weight in the right way. They hit plateaus a lot of times, and it's because your body adjusts to what you are giving it and what stress you are putting upon it. So it adjusts gradually with the lower amount of nutrients and calories you're giving it, and it adjusts to the over-exercise you're doing. So you have to continue to up the exercise and lower the food amount, and then you hit another plateau, and it, 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 it just slows your metabolism down so much. I've linked to some articles on that if you're interested, but that is something to consider. And it takes a long time to reboot your metabolism. It's taken me years, and I don't know if I'm totally there yet, but um, it's something that you can do. You can nurture your metabolism back, and that happens with gradually um, increasing your intake of food and gradually lessening the amount of intense exercise you're doing, which honestly was the hardest part for me because that is something I'm still trying to get used to. Meg talks about some of the effects of overtraining mentally and physically. Oh, I just think it, it burns anybody out. It's not a healthy state of mind or of our body to be doing that every day. Um, you see people that just get injuries after injuries from doing that. Um, physically, it's just not, our bodies need rest. And even the most elite athletes in the world, our Olympians, are getting rest days. They don't overtrain they know just what to train and they train enough you know so um I think that's a big thing is when you feel pain or injury coming it's just time to slow it down a little bit um and we just have to work up slowly um mentally it's for sure I think it can cripple people um when they're just so focused on going 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 they'll reach a point where they just kind of crash and burn I think and have a really low low mm. and after a lot of high highs you know I think that it's just mentally it can be really harmful. Something I learned from Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife she's been on the show before 
she's talked about how your body knows. Your body knows when you hate it and when you're being mean to it. And it's going to retaliate. Rachel talks about that, how, how oftentimes your body is the one that tells you you are abusing it. So I sort of missed all these early signs, right? Like mm-hmm. I think we kind of do. And um, it's only now as I look back that I can see them. But um, if you don't stop, eventually your body will stop you. Uh, Um, And that's kind of where I hit. And I, I have to say that I, I sort of did this cyclically to myself about three times before I really got the message and figured it out. The first two times that it happened to me, I was, um, I suffered from a eating disorder that I didn't know was an eating disorder at the time, but it's called the female athlete triad. Mm-hmm. where you are um, excessively exercising, um, calorie restricting um, to the extreme, and that usually results in, um, in bone density loss. Mm-hmm. And then it also re- results in the loss of your menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And that happened to me twice, and I lost my menstrual cycle for five months each time. Mm-hmm. And um, because I... Um, because of my history with infertility, which went way be way before this all happened. Yeah. Um, I, it was sort of like in my head, I was sort of like, well, it didn't, it wasn't doing me any good anyway. So yeah. yay. Like it was sort of like, I didn't care because I was just so, it, it was sort of like my, it was kind of a flippant response, mm-hmm. right? Like I, and, um, but really the loss of my mental cycle was a sign that my body was starving. My body was suffering, Mm -hmm. but I didn't understand that or take it seriously. Your body really does know. And, and that is something that can sound so, uh, hippy dippy, but honestly, I, I believe your body knows how you are viewing it and how you are treating it. And it can retaliate in ways you wouldn't expect. Like, uh, Rachel talked about, I mean, I've experienced, a lot of uh, injuries. I've definitely had the uh, female athlete problem there too with your loss of period. Um, But Rachel had talked about a lot of injuries that came into play with her, repetitive injuries and adrenal fatigue. And I've experienced that too, even up till a year ago. This, This is why I'm doing this, you guys, because even someone who has good intentions can fall into this trap of not realizing that they are abusing exercise, that they're still trying to um, run on this hamster wheel that's hurting them um, because of some bad ideas they have about either themselves or exercise in general. So for me last summer, I, I mean, I got one injury after the next. And this isn't the first time that's happened to me either. But these are ones that, I mean, I kept taking breaks from running and long breaks, like six months of just walking as much as I possibly could and doing a lot of strength training, like really intense strength training and um, hit workouts, all those things. And my injuries, of course, weren't getting better. And more kept popping up more and more and more. And, um, you know, I eventually was told I had to have both feet operated on, but, um, another thing came into play that prevented that surgery is I found out that I had pelvic organ prolapse, which is a pretty major thing. It's going to entail a really major surgery when I'm done having kids. So for me, 
my body said, enough. You cannot do anything. In fact, I was under doctor's orders to not even lift over 10 pounds, which of course was impossible as a mother with three little kids. Um, told I couldn't even, you know, could never run again. Told I couldn't even do squats, lunges, push-ups, sit-ups, anything that uh, put pressure on my body. And, you know, that could have been very devastating for Monica even two years ago. But a year ago, Monica, I was proud of myself because I recognized that I had mistreated my body and that I was um, not at fault. I don't mean that to say like in a, in a really guilty way, but yeah, that I, that I had mistreated it in a way that I didn't mean to, but I still had. And my body was telling me it was time to slow down. And I did. And I took that seriously. Fortunately, um, you know, the past few months, I've been able to figure out exercise that does work for me. I've been able to increase um, what I wasn't able to do before. I got hooked up with a good specialist that gave me a lot of amazing advice. And you know what, though, still the lesson is in place for me. Um, I had to ask myself this question, how long could I keep up that level of intense exercise? I had already done it for 12, 13, 14 years, you know, and that's not counting all the exercise I did as a teenager with dance and musical production stuff. I mean, I was exercising, you know, hours a day with those, not on purpose, just part of what I was doing. So how long, sometimes you have to ask yourself this, how long can you keep this up? Your body is going to tell you when it's too much and you don't want to be sidelined the rest of your life because you mistreated your body. You don't want your feet to completely fall apart, your knees, your hips. You want to be able to move. So sometimes that means learning balance and that means not high intense workouts every single day for hours each time. Sometimes it means slowing down. I asked each um, of my guests to say, what is exercise that is worth it? What even qualifies as exercise? Because, I mean, I personally have fallen into that trap for so long that nothing under an hour counts. And even an hour is like not enough. And that's something I've been working on and I've had to. I have been forced to reevaluate that just this past year. So what can count as exercise? Let's see what Meg says about that. We do our best to move our bodies the way that we can. And um, today, for example, I did no exercise at all. Today was my rest day and I plan those into my schedule on purpose because I know that my body needs rest days. And it's healthy for me that way that balances me out. So um, what I like to tell them is whatever they can do, um, mentally, we have to prepare for days that we're not going to exercise sometimes. And mentally, we have to almost prepare to be thrown off schedule throughout the week. (laughs) (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. things are not going to go to plan every single day. Um, And that's okay. I think that mentally preparing beforehand and knowing that that's going to happen sometimes is something we just need to take in and be okay with. That missing a day's workout, missing two days, three days of working out, it's okay. We have time to get back on track. And so, like you say, a 15-minute walk around the block, that counts. And doing those little things and being celebratory over those little things that yes, it feels so good that we got out on a walk and maybe it wasn't this high intensity one hour 
um, circuit at the gym, but we, we got it in, we did what we could. And I think all those efforts are, are worth celebrating. Um, so it's just a change of perspective and really being, being okay with those little things. Pretty amazing. The science that's out there right now that just proves that those little intervals are actually doing a lot of good for us. So Mm -hmm. we can't be so shameful and we just have that much time and that's okay sometimes, you know? As I said, this was something I was forced to learn this past year. What I was surprised, so surprised about, was that my I, I didn't suddenly gain a lot of weight or get out really out of shape. My muscles were still strong. I was still able to um, to keep up with my kids, all of that, even though I had to slow down immensely at first. But as I said, I was able to gradually build up what I could do, but even then I'm still exercising way less and celebrating that you can even do, you know, a 15, 20 minute workout is enough. This just takes time. This week has been one of those weeks. Um, my husband started a new job. I used to work out, you know, at 530 in the morning and now he's leaving for work at 530 and it's really thrown me off. I haven't figured out how to exercise with my kids. I finally signed up for a gym around here where I could, but even then they have all their morning activities that we've had to do. So I have been to the gym twice this week. It's Friday. I have worked out a total of two hours and that used to be my Monday. (laughs) One of those days at home, I did an 18 minute workout. Um, And that would have just devastated me before. It would have made me so angry. And not to not to um, say it was easy. I mean, I've been bummed because that is my time to myself. That is a time I get renewed and I'm able to think and listen to books and podcasts. I cherish my exercise time. So I was bummed, but it didn't ruin my week and it hasn't ruined my body. Your body can adapt it can, and you know, actually, it will be better for it. We're going to talk that more later on about Rachel's views on this that I so hard, wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, but first, I I want to share some more positives before um, we move on to some some takeaways that you can consider. Let's talk about when you are using exercise as a tool. What are the benefits? Why is it worth it to exercise, to move your body, to have goals with fitness and passion too? What do, what can it give to you? Let's start with Meg. She talks about the mind and body and how and how exercise when used in the right way can even be spiritual. With my clients, I really try to focus on um, exercise as a way to connect um, the body, but also connect the mind and the spirit mm-hmm. together. And I'll kind of explain this. I I had a post the other day because I've been really thinking about this topic, um, but I had this incredible experience where we were at our cabin last week and I woke up feeling like like I wanted to just ask myself, what do I really need today? Um, and I laced my shoes. I got ready for to go out to run. But when I opened the front door, it really was, it became this experience that I just wanted to share with the whole world. I mean, it was just such an incredible experience I had. Um, I decided once I left the cabin, I was just walking down the road that 
for me that day, it wasn't going to be about running for time or a new personal record or um, even just to push my body for exercise. It really was what I really needed was to connect myself with the present and to reflect and to connect with God and to just celebrate my body that it could move and just the gift of my body. Um, And that is when I really remembered why I love to move. And I think that everyone should experience that feeling and remember why they exercise. Um, And hopefully it's not for just those numbers of wanting to get a personal record or a certain time or um, for a number on the scale or for a reflection in the mirror, but really it, you do it because, because it's for you, because it genuinely makes you happy because you're celebrating the gift of your body. Um, it, it allows you to express yourself, to find relief, um, to find connection. And that is really where that deep satisfaction comes is with when we kind of realize why we do what we do. So that's one thing I try with my clients is really connecting them and finding that reason why. Why do they want to be there with me each week? And losing five pounds and 10 pounds is a good goal, but that's not going to carry them. Um, Long term, it's not going to really bring them happiness, you know? Mm -hmm. So trying to find out why is a really big thing for me makes thoughts on knowing your why is something we're going to come back to in a bit. Rachel also had some good benefits and these have to do with endorphins and how exercise is a positive stress too. Exercise is a form of stress that we place on the body and if we place too much stress on the body it rebels. It doesn't like that um, but it is a, it can be a form of positive stress called e-stress. Um, and it, and so it can give you this happy endorphin push and, and that can be either energizing or calming. Um, it, and I've noticed it really increases my, um, mental acuity. I'm a lot more alert. I'm, more able to draw connections in my life. Um, I'm more attuned to other people's emotions. I'm more patient with my children. There's just a lot of um, emotional benefit mm-hmm. um, to, to exercise. Rachel also talked about the benefits of when you have uh, this balance in mind with exercise, where sometimes you are able to do those really intense workouts, but then you balance it when you listen to your body and just the miracle of what your body does in return and how it gives back to you. One unexpected benefit that I've seen is that it's actually a lot easier to maintain a stable, healthy metabolism. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm not pushing myself to such extremes, my body rebounds much better. It trusts, I've built trust between my brain and my body. Mm -hmm. And so over time, it has learned that I will give it rest. I will take care of it. I will listen when it tells me it's had enough. And And because of that, I have a stronger relationship with my body. 
and my metabolism is just a lot, it's more stable. Um, mm-hmm. Where before I felt like I was on a constant up, down, five pound, 10 pound, 20 pound roller coaster. Yeah. I think the, the last thing is probably just, it's just more fun. Um, it doesn't mean I don't sometimes train with a purpose, but I love that I can be consistent, but flexible. Yeah. Um, and, and that I don't worry as much about if it's a perfect workout. I worry if, if I just tried, if I did it. And, and I think that's a, one of the things that I'm trying to share with my kids is just that it's fun. Exercise is fun. And I so agree with that. And, you know, there are days where you need to run hard or to do some really hard lifting, get out the hard emotions, uh, calm your body down, or just to feel good about what you've done. And there are days where you need to stretch for 10 minutes and call it a day. And when you have that balance, I think Rachel's right. Your body trusts you that you're doing what it needs and what you need to a last thought on these benef- on the benefits of having uh, exercise in a good place in your life is something that Meg talked about, weight. Um, but she's not talking about physical weight, and I love her views of this. So I encourage all my clients to find strength from the inside out. That's really my biggest thing. So exercise is a big part of that, right? We Most people exercise to manage their weight, their physical weight. Um, and I was thinking today about just that word weight. So our weight is our physical gravity to the earth, right? We think of exercise as, um, a way to, to keep us healthy and to help us manage our physical weight. Um, but what it truly is, is it's just one component of our entire health our, the balance of our health, we, we actually, when we exercise, um, we're not just releasing physical weight, but we're also releasing a lot of mental weight um, and things. We use that term that we have emotional baggage or things that weigh us down. And truly, that is also weight that's inside of us. Um, so I just love that when we use exercise for good and we're actually connecting our mind, body, and spirit, we can actually release a lot of that weight as well. This is exactly what I'm hoping uh, we can all take away from this podcast, not fear, but just to see what we get out of exercise, how it can help us. And I can honestly tell you that while there have been times where I have abused exercise for sure, or I just haven't understood how to be kind to my body in that way, running exercise in general also has saved me so many times. It has been the way that I have been able to feel most connected spiritually. It has mentally helped me work through some really big demons and get through some depression. Um, it can be such a force of good in your life. And that's what I hope you take away from this. I want to finally turn to how we can shift our view of exercise back to this healthy enthusiasm that Rachel talked about earlier in the episode, what we can do to get away from overusing or underusing exercise and how we're viewing it and getting back to being happy about it and grateful for it. 
So I have some takeaways from you, for you. The first one is to get away from all or nothing thinking. I had to start by lowering my expectations for my workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to stop thinking of it as an all or nothing commitment mm-hmm. where I either had to work out an hour really intense or not at all. Yeah. Um, and I had to just say, okay, I'm going to start and I'm going to do what I can. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that was, I would take a walk and sometimes that was, I could work out, do a circuit for 20 minutes, um, sometimes less. And I just had to be satisfied with the effort that I could give. And that was Rachel. Um, you have already heard Meg speak on this too. I mean, she talked about it with her walk. She's also uh, brought it up several times on Instagram too. I mean, one day she talked about going for a two-mile walk with her daughter and feeling totally content with that. She shares regularly uh, 15-minute workouts that you can do. And it all goes back to the focus that she had brought up earlier as well. In order to get away from all or nothing thinking, focus on the why behind working out. What do you want to get from it? Focus on that strength within that Meg spoke on. What is it that you want out of exercise and why do you want to do it? And in doing that, you need to focus on the process, not the outcome. And Rachel talked about that as well. The second tip I have for you to get back to the healthy enthusiasm. Two is find the joy. Finding the joy in exercise again means in a lot of ways you need to remove the punishment part that we talked about. When you are using exercise as a way to punish yourself uh, because you don't like yourself or to punish uh, yourself because of food. Another way to find the joy, to move how it feels good to you. Now, Rachel said on this, you know, that doesn't mean you can't try new exercise and try new things and, and push yourself to do that. But it does mean a lot of days you do your best to make exercise be something you enjoy. When Amber Brissicky was on the show, she's biceps after babies on Instagram. She talked about how when people ask her what's the best type of exercise, she responds, the one you like to do. So think about that. What is that for you? Let's talk to Rachel and what she learned about this. Emotionally, I had to change how I saw exercise. And it started really with a shift of instead of asking um, how hard I could push myself that day, I had to start asking myself, how can I make my body feel really awesome today? Mm. And that was the question that I just, I, I started waking up every day and asking my body what it wanted and how it wanted to move. And then I tried to give it that. And, um, and that changed. It fluctuated. And like I said, I had to lower my expectations of what I could achieve. Um, but, but just asking my body how it wanted to be treated and really trying to tap into that biofeedback um, helped a lot. I started kind of talking to myself differently and just saying, um, exercise is a privilege and um, I get to exercise today. Like I'm, I'm so excited and to, you know, experiment, try new things instead of focusing on the outcome. I had, I started focusing on the process 
and the journey and the learning that I was getting through each movement, um, learning about the brain-body connection and just how amazing our brain is that it can move each muscle of our body and just learning more about the body changed how I felt about exercise. It's not just amazing how she was able to do that. And Rachel's really honest about, you know, it takes time. It's something that learning how to find the joy can be a transition and that's okay. And shifting your views doesn't happen overnight, but it's worth the fight. The next point, number three, learn how to rest. Both Meg and Rachel talked about how important this is. And you know what? Sometimes you have to be like Meg. Maybe you have to schedule those days in as you're learning to adapt to that. Sometimes maybe your body is crying out to you to ask you to rest. And if you're doing a good job of trying to respond better to the cues it's giving to you, I really believe that your body will reward you for that. The last tip I have for you is one that I bring up a lot, and that's for clean up your environment. Who are you following on social media that makes you constantly question how you are working out, to what intensity, um, etc.? Or who was wearing you out so that you can't even start just because of watching them is making you so tired and feel so guilty? So perhaps you under users will relate to that when you see these people on Instagram, who's making you feel like it doesn't count unless you do like two hours of really intense exercising in your personal life too. What friends are you surrounding yourselves with? Um, Maybe some that are the best influence. Maybe it's time to do a little filtering that way. Um, and, and, and beyond filtering, it's maybe trying to instead bring people in who are going to be supportive in this way, who are going to be about encouraging of looking at fitness as a joy and um, also understanding that balance comes into play. Meg talks about this important piece. Find people, find a support group that's going to surround you and help you to reach your goals in a healthy way. Um, people that are supportive of you that aren't going to drive you to the competition that is unhealthy or um, just surround yourself with a good support team. So those are my takeaway tips. Um, Again, get away from all or nothing thinking. Two, find joy. Three, learn how to rest. And four, clean up your environment. I hope this was helpful helpful to you. Again, I hope it wasn't extreme or fear-mongering for you, but I just wanted to emphasize that I know this is something we all are on a spectrum and or totally not on it um, with this problem, but if you find yourself there, someone you love, maybe you can refer them to this episode to just help them walk through it and see where they're at in these terms. I want to give a special thank you to Rachel and Meg. They were incredible to take the time to talk to me and please give them both a follow. They are so worth it. And uh, some of those few people online that I just am obsessed with, with the fitness stuff, because they're exactly the good influence that I need. And the other one that um, I would follow is Amber Brusicki. Um, from Biceps After Babies. She was in the middle of a move during this, so I didn't even ask her because I didn't want to do that to her. But uh, she has a lot of wealth of information too, and it's really balanced. Before I say goodbye to you, I want to thank you for doing the survey. That's on my show notes, if you can please check that out. And today I am going to end um, the episode with my Do Something Highlight. I 
I interviewed Christina Bischoff. She is this incredible composer, and she shares about how she has been pursuing her dream to create music that matches this piece of fantasy literature that is really meaningful to her, and how she did that even as an introvert, and all the challenges that have come into play with that. Let's turn our time to hearing from Christina. First, tell me about this book and how you know the author and what it's inspired you to do with it. Yeah, so this book, it's called Green Rider, and it's a book that I have known since I was a little girl. My dad would read this book to me um, and my sisters because it was about a strong, courageous woman who, despite trials and her personal failings, fought evil and would save this kingdom, the kingdom of Saccharidia. And she would say that time and again. And I think that he would read this to us to inspire us to be strong and courageous women as we got older. This year, I have a friend who I met here in Houston, and she said that we should form a book club. And I thought that was a perfect idea because It'd been a while since I'd read books that I was actually my own personal interest, like it, that it was I was actually interested in. And so she said, you know, let's read a fantasy book because she hadn't been introduced to fantasy. And I thought this was the perfect chance to introduce her to some of my, you know, favorites that I had in high school oh, and fun. in middle school. And so I... Um, I told her about this book, Green Rider. So we read it, and I was just enthralled. It, I was so excited to be reading it again, and I forgot. I had forgotten what it was like to read uh, a fantasy novel, and you know, I just fell in love with it. And at this point, you know, the author had written several other books in this series. And I'd only read the first one growing up. And so I was able to actually read the next five books back to back within the period of like three weeks because I was like just binge reading this this great heroine's journey that the main character was on. And so, you know, after after having finished all those novels, um, I was going to bed one night and I laid my head down and I started to hear this amazing and incredible music and and I knew exactly where it was coming from. I knew it was this book. It was the land of Saccharidia and I said to myself, I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to write this. So it's almost like you had the groundwork laid for you as a, a music composition major to make yes. this music really come to life. So what what does that look like for you? What have you been doing? Yeah, so I'm creating a soundtrack. So like Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, yeah. Harry Potter, you know, when you hear these soundtracks, you immediately are in that world. You know exactly you know, where you're at, and it just takes you away. It's just fantastic. And so, so that's what I'm trying to do here. Right now, I'm about halfway through writing the album, It's and it's just been so much fun. Um, as I write these songs, I, I focus on, first I did um, an outline and listed the songs, basically, that needed to be 
written to tell the story of Kerrigan's, who is the main uh, protagonist of the story. It's of her heroine's journey. And so after narrowing it down to about 20 songs, uh, I've kind of just focused on about one song at a time, taking it a scene uh, at a time and reading the book as I write this music. So first you start off with, you know, the theme of the hero. And so for Kerrigan's theme, I had to kind of create that and or at least really more like discover it. I had to discover her theme because these characters are living and breathing. Ideally, the music theme is also a living and breathing version oh, cool. of that character. I like being able to kind of dig down and figure out what makes music work. And for the majority of us, it's the narrative and it's the character and that translates, you know, into the melody and, and the atmosphere of the song. And I kind of have to translate that into musical notes. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's like a puzzle. Um, so a very musical puzzle. So from here, how, how are you creating into actual music? Is it through a digitized format or do you have to, um, you know, befriend musicians to record for you or an orchestra? How does it go from here? Kind of all of the above. So right now I start with the piano and figure out the themes on there because that's where I'm most comfortable figuring it out. Once I've got the themes kind of fleshed out, I go to the computer and I have some software that enables me to write for the full symphony um, and kind of hear back what it would sound like from the symphony perspective. And so I get to write for each individual instrument at that point. And from there, my goal is once I finished writing this album is I do want to get this album recorded by a professional symphony orchestra because it it just makes all the difference because mm-hmm. though technology is as amazing as it is it's still not a replacement for yeah. real musicians and the recording room that they record in and just the breath that they give yes. to and life that they give to music I'm curious, you said you're an introvert, so I wanted to know how that has come into play with you doing this and pursuing this and how you've had to challenge yourself uh, to pursue this, including maybe how the author got involved. I I wonder if that's part of it. I like to think of it in, you know, I got this calling to, to write this music, like I was called from a higher power to write this, this soundtrack. And so my quest was before me and my next, my first challenge was to contact, you know, the great and powerful author, mm-hmm. Kristen Britton. But first, I had to go through her gatekeeper, Russ, the agent. Mm. And so I had to contact the agent. I spent weeks preparing for this, this one email to send him. I put together a song list of what would be included on the album and a quick cover art even though it's not the official cover art that I would use it's something that looks that's a product that Russ could look at so 
I put it all together, crossed my fingers, and pushed send. And that day, I got a reply saying that he'd be interested in exploring the idea further. So that was, I mean, that was the first test. I was like, yes, okay, got my foot in the door. Now, (laughs) the next part was to negotiate. Yeah, oh my gosh. Like I was like, okay, great. My dream is alive and well. Let's get this going. So um, we spent the next month, you know, hashing out a contract. There was one point when we were very near the end. Uh, where we almost lost the deal. Mm. I had to basically prove in a, that, that I had the heart of a hero mm. with, you know, only the best intentions for this album. And, and I was able to do it. And Russ found me, you know, worthy of the quest. And so the next day I received an email with the completed contract and, you know, the great and powerful Chris and Britton's signature. And so that was, I mean, I just partied that day. I was fangirling all over the place because, you know, she was one of my favorite authors. Yes, that would be, oh, that'd be such a a wonderful feeling and well-deserved too. I love, Christina, (laughs) how you have tied this into just what it is to be a heroine of your own story. And it's beautiful. (laughs) And I hope all our listeners can do that for themselves, too, and take courage and and try new things. And I wanted to know um, where to direct people. So if they want to know more about you or know about this music, or I don't know if you have samples of it, of what you've begun, um, where can they find you? Yes, so I have an Instagram page, uh, Christina A. Bischoff Music, and a Facebook page as well with the same Christina A. Bischoff Music, and a website, ChristinaABischoff.com, and you can find all of those things. And my goal is to have this album completed, uh, at least being finished writing the music for um, in September. That's, that's my current goal right now. And then really the next big hurdle will be raising the money for this album to record it so that Mm. this music that I've written will become the living, breathing world of Green Rider. Well, this is brilliant, Christina. It was so fun to get to know you better. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was an awesome experience. Thanks again, Christina, for being on. And I appreciate you guys for listening. And I hope to see you back next Wednesday. I have a very exciting interview for you. It's going to be Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife on the show again. So come back next Wednesday for that. In the meantime, you can find me at About Progress on Instagram and Facebook and my website, aboutprogress.com. I hope to hear from you and take care of yourself.